Leafs podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Nick D'Souza and Kevin Papetti. Leafs win. The Leafs improved to 11 2 1 on the season. 4 0 since we last recorded, Nick, uh, including a three game sweep of the Vancouver Canucks. But we begin tonight with a huge 4-2 victory over the Montreal Canadiens. The battle for first place, if you will. Nick, what were your thoughts on tonight's win? Well, first and foremost, like these are the games you want to win um, against the second-place Canadiens team, a team that was pretty much rolling. Like they were, They've been winning a bunch of games. Obviously, the hype behind them is pretty big right now. Um, and it wasn't a pretty game. Like I thought each of the goals were kind of random and pretty odd especially the goal scores for the Leafs but hey at the end of the day they they defended the lead especially late I thought they did a pretty good job of that and they get the two points so there's now a five point gap between uh, the Canadians and the Leafs which is pretty good Montreal does have a game in hand though and of course the the big scorers came through today Austin Matthews John wait a second Nick who were the goal scorers today I have to give some shout outs here I'll let you start. We're going to do three stars. I need you to pick one of the goal star- scorers to start. Oh, you already know who I'm going to pick. It's uh, I'm the I'm the leader of the fan club, and that's Justin Hall. So wow. I, you know, both you and I, and please correct me if I'm wrong. So both you and I have watched Hall for years now. Uh, we've watched him with the Marlies. I have never seen him wind up and shoot a slap shot like he did tonight. Uh, I know he used to play a little bit of forward when he was younger. But I've never seen him shoot the puck like that, especially on Carey Price. And when I think it was um, someone on Sportsnet asked him after the game today, is that how you envisioned your first goal of the year? He said, oh, yeah, baby, hammer time. So he's easily my first star. He was great defensively. He makes a great play on Brendan Gallagher. Uh, He also made a great play on Tyler Toffoli when it was kind of a partial break. And then he adds the cherry on top with the uh, the big hammer time goal. And the other quote I'm just reading from Justin Cuthbert of Yahoo Sports, it was, I've uncorked it now, so there's no turning back. So we've got the quotes from Hall tonight. A big goal, I believe that was, believe that? No, it wasn't the winner. It was going to be the winner at the time. It was a go-ahead goal at the time. Um, but just a huge goal. And the Leafs really got the job done at 4-4. Four and four. I mean, we could have picked Hall pretty much every game this year. Like, he's just been so steady back there with Muzzin. Uh, it's been a very good shutdown line for them all season it has yet again tonight I don't know if they're on for a goal um, but just a, a real solid game for that pairing once again obviously it's the defensive game with him that's really taken a huge step forward over the years and uh, you know you're not really counting on him for many goals but the Hall goal was justice because at the end of the second period Shea Weber tripped I believe it was Shea Weber tripped Zach Hyman, and they called Hyman for the worst embellishment penalty I've ever seen. It was just a classic can opener. The Leafs should have been on a power play, and it was on that four-on-four sequence where Justin Hall scored on the slap shot. So just it was just great to see, uh, obviously, his first of the season. I'm going to give my first star to Travis Dermott for his first of the season. I just, I'm a huge Dermott fan. I was tweeting today about his 5-on-5 his five five numbers over the years. I know he's been scratched at times. I know he's been hurt at times, but that's not because of his play. He's been solid all year. He actually got on at 4-on-4 four four because Hall was in the box, so he got the shift with Jake Muzzin, took full advantage, just always excited to see him score. And, you know, the least, these, these defensemen, Nick, they're very good at 4-on-4, four four, apparently. Yeah, I know. I was so surprised. Dermot's goal caught me off. Um, it really surprised me because it was just like a random shot, but they, they kind of had some some offensive zone pressure and, and some possession there. And then Dermot just ripped it over price. So that definitely surprised me. I don't think anyone was betting uh, on Dermot Hall. And, and especially, I think that'll take me to my second star. And that's easily going to be Ilya Mikheyev today, other than the goal, which I'll get to in a second. I thought he was fantastic tonight. Like he, he was, he's obviously due every game for his kind of partial break chance, uh, which he doesn't score on. I think he had two or three of them today. Uh, where he just was was flying out there. I thought he was great on the forecheck. He was winning battles. And then it was so nice to see him finally score. Uh, it was kind of a weird play where the puck came up front. Kerfoot fanned on the shot. And it just perfectly came to uh, Mikheyev. 
couldn't have drawn it up better himself, I'm sure, but at least he's on the board now. So we'll see if he can start scoring on some of those uh, scoring chances that he pretty much generates every game. Yeah, he was really good last game against Vancouver. It was a bit of a, just right at the end there. So the Leafs, I mean, I'm not going to recap the goal game yet, but basically the Leafs had just gone ahead. Kerfoot on the forecheck, a Zach Hyman-like assist to set up Kerfoot. And it just felt like he was due. He's had chance after chance. It's almost like he has like Michael Grabner energy when he was on the Leafs, where he just gets all these chances and can't convert. But he was due for a break and just so happy for him. I believe, so that was his first goal since 2019. I think it was December 27th. I actually believe that was the game he got hurt. Um, so just, you know, great to see him. A, uh, I know he's been back for a while now. He did play in the play-in series. But to get his first goal... The first one we've seen in a while, just, you know, he deserved that. So I think that was a great second star. I was going to pick him if if you didn't. Um, for my second star, I'm going to go, I don't know if it's off the board, but I'm going with Freddie Anderson. He let in a really weak goal at the start, and he looked shaky. Um, but to his credit, he really bounced back. He ended up saving 33 or 35. Uh, the other goal he allowed was a bit of a fluke or was a bit of a knuckleball puck. You know, Tatar was kind of in the crease, and, and, you know, he was able to, to score on it, but it was a bit of a hectic play after two giveaways from the defenseman. So, you know, credit to Anderson for battling back. And, you know, when, when Campbell went out, we knew Anderson was going to have to be strong. A, he wasn't going to have much rest. We knew he was going to be out there, you know, pretty much every game like he has been. And we needed him to be, you know, steady Freddie, if you will. Uh, and he's been just that. So I'm going to give him my second star. Uh, I think the numbers are starting to come back up. Despite the weak goal early, I thought he more than made up for it later on. To a certain extent, I, I don't think I'm ready to kind of let him off the hook. Um, I thought the second goal was kind of an odd one because of the tip, but I thought he overplayed it and, you know, would kind of put himself out of position. But I'm not going to be too hard on him. He did play well. He gets the win today. Um, but not off the hook for me. I think I'm a little harder on Anderson, especially it being his his contract year and just kind of the, the history in big games. But, hey, you know what? He got the win today, and, and the Leafs pretty much heavily got outshot today, um, you know, at even strength. So the fact that they only allowed two goals, you got to kind of take your hat off to Freddie in that regard. That first goal almost gave me deja vu because uh, the first game of the season, Josh Anderson scored a kind of a weak goal coming down the rush on Anderson, on, on Frederick Anderson, rather. And uh, he had... Josh Anderson had passed uh, John Tavares on that one. So it was pretty much deja vu. It looked like it was going to be a bit of a disaster early. He was kind of fumbling the puck after that goal. But uh, I am happy that he kind of bounced back because, you know, I wasn't liking their chances if they had to pull Anderson. Let's put it that way. Um, it's funny but, because I thought of the I thought of Anderson's first goal in that first game. And then it also gave me some deja vu to the DeBrus goal like a few years ago um, oh on the infamous uh, Gardner pivot. Okay, you're cut off. You're cut off. Of yeah, I references. know. That, you're done. You're done. Let's hear those, your third those, star. Those Boston series are uh, cemented in my in my brain rent free. But uh, third star, so I was gonna be Dermot. I'm gonna go a little off the board. Uh, I guess this is my mainstream pick, but it's gonna be Austin Matthews. Um, he's been putting up points pretty much at will um, in the last couple of games, and actually his point streak tonight. Uh, was broken but I thought whenever he was on the ice he looked like an absolute star and him and Marner are starting to really kind of stand out on most of the shifts that they're on especially Matthews like in his own end he was making fantastic plays um, the panel at the intermission did a really good job actually of, of really highlighting those and I think he's just becoming such a good 200 foot player uh, we're starting to notice you know he's starting to hit a lot more and even the numbers like he's hitting almost three more hits a game and it's still early in the season like that's probably going to come down um but still like you can see him like through the eye test throwing his body around he's using that to win puck battles and then obviously he's getting the points so um i thought tonight he didn't score but i thought he was one of the better leaves all night so i'm gonna fact check you here nick so the point streak didn't end the goal streak ended but i'm going to actually transition oh, to my goal third my the third star was the reason his point streaked in net, and that's Zach Hyman, the empty net god, if you will. Oh, did he get an assist on that? I didn't even. Matthews know that. did. Matthews was the one that passed it to him. It was a pretty nice empty net goal. Like some are just like complete <laughs> happens, but that was a backhand pressure on him. You know, I'll give him credit for that one. He deserved that we, one. We need a Zach Hyman top ten empty net goals because there's probably like 
I, I you're gonna have to fact check me here too because there's probably at least 20 empty net goals that we have to choose from from Zach Hyman's career. 20? Maybe, I, don't know. I don't know if it's that high, but it's high. It's high. It's probably close to that, yeah. Um, the other guy I was going to give, I'll give him an honorable mention, I probably should have picked him, was Jake Muzzin. Uh, he had three assists. I don't know if they're very nice assists, but um, any anytime you get three points and you're a shutdown defenseman, you play pretty good defense, I think you deserve one. So uh, I'll give him the honorable mention. Probably should have given him one, to be honest, but um, sorry, Jake. We'll, we'll get you next time. Nick, I want to get your thoughts just on the game in general here. I thought it was a bit of a it was a defensive battle. I thought it, I was kind of expecting it to be. I know Montreal came in with a ton of goals for, but the Leafs are pretty good defensively. I know that Riley Brody pairing had a kind of a weak shift late, but other than that, I was I was pretty pleased with their effort defensively. Uh, weren't weren't too many power plays in this one. Uh, it was nice to kind of have some secondary scoring from from Mikhaev in a night where you know Tavares Matthews didn't really score. Um, but for me, it was just it was kind of a nice win. Obviously, Montreal is just a different challenge. We've seen, you know, in the Vancouver series, they're a bit of a weak opponent. Um, but what what were your thoughts just on the Leafs' defense? Yeah, well, defensively, this was one of their better efforts against a, a pretty good team. Obviously, um, I'm actually just looking at Twitter now, and James Myrtle just tweeted um, that Keith says the Leafs gave up the lowest number of scoring chances all season tonight. Um, something that I probably agree with even when you look at expected goals it was it was pretty low tonight in comparison to to other games that they've played um and a lot of the chances Montreal did get it was very like low percentage shots from the outside um I thought Toronto did a really good job and especially in the third period like this is something that both you and I've talked about quite a bit especially with past teams um past leaf teams sorry where the Leafs in the past have been so bad defending leads and you're, you're never really particularly comfortable when the Leafs have the lead. And tonight, I, I thought that they did a really good job of kind of still pushing play, holding the Montreal in their, in their own end for small periods of times. And they really didn't allow very many chances in that third period. So I think on paper, they're just a lot more equipped to kind of hold leads than they were in the past. And the system that they play also helps. So Defensively, I thought it was kind of a chess match, and then the goals were were kind of random, kind of odd. Um, but at least Le- the Leafs got four, and Montreal got two. So we'll take it. I think it was just I was kind of hyped up for this one. I think after three in Vancouver, and I do kind of like the series, especially when it's when it's two games. But Vancouver just wasn't much of a test. They you know they just they almost looked like kind of the clear second worst team in the division. And we'll get to that series in a, in a minute here, but. You know, Montreal, there's been so much hype about them, and I know the Leafs got the better of them in Game 1, but I thought Montreal outplayed them that night. And it was just nice to be able to to get a win. It'll be even nicer if they can go 2-for-2. Two two. Um, but, but at this point, you know, you'll take the win. Uh, it's nice to kind of have the first one early and take the pressure off in Game 2. Um, but, yeah, I just think, like, when... I know Brody had a, a bit of a rough giveaway there at the end, but... I'm just so much happier with this defense compared to last year when it was, you know, Tyson Berry. I know I, I have been watching a lot of the Canadian games, and I, I did see him with on the ice with a lead late. Uh, I think it was last night. Um, and just kind of comparing last year with, with Barry C.C. Marinson to this year when you have, you know, A, a very good top pairing, and then B, Brody behind them who's playing very well. Uh, I think, you know, Bogosian was steady out there tonight as well, and, and Dermott's always been a pretty good third-pairing guy. I just think I'm just so happy. I know people are kind of talking about, like, trading Dermott or, you know, making a move from the back end, but this is the first time I've been happy with the blue line in, in years, and I'm just going to take a minute to appreciate that. So I guess that's my, my biggest uh, takeaway from the game. I don't think, you know, the, I still think the Tavares line has been a concern uh, pretty much all season in terms of generating offense. I still think the Kerfoot line, even though they scored tonight, you know, I, I'd like a little bit more offense out of them, and we'll get to that in a minute here. But I guess right. we'll take some time to A, appreciate uh, the win tonight, and then B, just to appreciate the 11-2-1 record. Like, banking points is important, and I'm, like, I don't want any questions about missing the playoffs. We saw Tavares go down tonight. Like, if Tavares gets hurt or Matthews gets hurt, you know, all of a sudden, making the playoffs might not that be that easy. 
And I, I think with the 11-2-1 record, it's just great to appreciate the kind of the start they're on. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you talked about the top four of the Leafs defense because I think sometimes when, like I was watching the pregame show and they were talking and they were comparing Montreal and they were comparing uh, to Toronto. And they were saying that right now Toronto's problem is the defense and their top four defense isn't as good as Montreal's and that's really their problem. And I don't think that's the case at all anymore. Like pick any season in the past five seasons and yeah, I, I would say that the Leafs top four defense is definitely one of their biggest issues. I think that's possibly a strength right now. Like you said, Muzzin Hall has been really good. We've talked about that, you know, extensively over the past year. And now Riley Brody, you know, they might not have the best numbers, but that's a pretty good second pairing. Um, so I don't think that's, a, you know, kind of the Leafs stereotypical problem anymore. Um, I think that's probably one of their strengths right now. And we're seeing it. They're defending a ton of one goal games um, and they're winning a ton of one goal games. Now, one goal games in general are pretty kind of they go both ways like you know they're not always so kind of stable and easy to predict but i think there is a little bit of cause and and, uh, effect here um with the way the leafs defend leads and the fact that they're winning all these one goal games so i'm pretty much tired of hearing that the leafs top four is the problem because that's not the case this year no not at all um and i think you know get to the vancouver series here you know, obviously their their offense hasn't been what it was in years past, particularly at five on five. But their defense, they did tr- they did actively go out and trade offense for defense this year. Like by trading Kapanen and Janssen, they had money to get someone like Brody. And I do think that's led to more one goal games where you know you're just playing lower event hockey. Um, but in terms of that Vancouver series, so I think game one, you know, seven three win. They just dominated. Vancouver looked tired and awful. Uh, you know, Spezza had the hat trick, which was nice. Matthews was robbed of one. He did have two goals, though. And then you kind of expected Vancouver to bounce back in game two, which just wasn't the case. Matthews had two goals again. They won 5-1. <laughs> it was 5 nothing until the last two minutes. And then game three, they completed the sweep. Wasn't the best game. They kind of turned it on late after a pretty, you know, I thought Vancouver got the better of them for the first 40 minutes, but... You know, Matthew scores, and then Kerfoot scores off that nice effort from Mikhaev, and you, and you pull off three-one win. So obviously they're getting it done in, in several different ways. Um, in, in terms of, and this is a question I heard on several different podcasts I was listening to today. Um, what do you give more credit to? Do you give more? Do you think it's more about the Leafs playing well, or do you think it was more, uh, you know, the Canucks playing not so well, if you will? I think it's a bit of both. Um, probably the the easy answer here. Um, I just don't think the the way that the Canucks are playing right now, they're not on the same level as the Leafs. Um, defensively, they just have had their concerns, and this is something that's been building up over probably the last year and a half to two years. Um, with the Canucks, they weren't a very good defensive team last year, but had some pretty good goaltending. Um, and I think all of that is kind of snowballed into the team that we see right now. And the Leafs have been kind of going the opposite way, where, like you said, they actively, you know, became better defensively during the offseason. You know, Sheldon Keefe's system and the way that they play and the way that they defend is just a lot better for the way that they should be playing based on their players. So um, I think it's a bit of both. I just don't think that the Leafs and and Canucks, the way that they're playing right now, are just on the same level. So, um, yeah, I thought they got a little lucky in that the third game. Um, But, like, it was almost a reminder to like past leaf game like past leaf years sorry where there were so many games where the leafs just didn't play very well and you'd have like maybe a five to seven minute period where they would turn it on and you just see a string of goals going in kind of like tonight where it's just like um a tie game and then all of a sudden the leaf score two goals and then they take over the game for the rest of the game so you know, I think that's just a reminder that I think offensively they're not as good as they were in past years, but they always have that power with that top four uh, forward group um, to to just kind of turn it on. And, and obviously the, the, the top four weren't the ones who scored tonight, but the Leafs can score at will when, when they're kind of rolling. And um, yeah, I, I would say it's a bit of both with the Canucks and the Leafs. Yeah, I'll agree. I think Vancouver definitely looks like the sixth best team out of the seven, like you know, they're down there with Ottawa. They just don't have the depth. They don't have the same star talent as, as a team like Toronto either, and they don't have the goaltending. Um, so 
you know, obviously there's still time to turn it around, but so far not looking so good for them. I think with the Leafs... I, I will say this, like, quickly, um, is that in past years, I don't think the Leafs would have, just because of how much they traded chances in past years, um, I don't think they would have gotten six points out of six in this. And I think that, yes, we can say that Vancouver is an inferior team, but... Like, good teams got to win those types of games, and they need to bank points against teams that are struggling. So it was just nice to see the Leafs actually get six points out of six, because I don't think they'd do that in the past. Yeah, I was going to say something along the same lines. Like, I do think there's legitimate improvement defensively on this team. I think that kind of was was shining through in the Vancouver series. Um, You know, especially that third game, like, they weren't, they were outplayed, but they kind of bended but not break in that third game. So I do give them credit, whereas maybe in years past, when they have, when they play that poorly, they don't pull out the win. Like, you know, they just, there's the, the breakdowns are, are too significant. They give up three goals and then, you know, it's, it's kind of over after 40 minutes rather than, you know, they don't play very well. They stick with it. They're tied after, I think they were tied after 40 minutes and then they pull off a win with a late effort. So I do think there's some, um, you do have to give the Leafs some credit, especially when they get six points in six games. And I guess the other thing would be the the power play, which has continued to look good. Uh, didn't really get to see it tonight against Montreal because there weren't many calls. And when there was a call, apparently there's embellishment. Um, yeah. the, the other thing I got to mention is in the third period, Corey Perry took like a late hit on Justin Hall. And it should have been a boarding penalty, probably. Like Hall was a little bit shaken up, it looked like. And then I think it was the same shift. It was either the same shift or the next shift. Hyman brought Perry into the boards, and Perry was shaken up. And it just felt like karma. Like, I can't stand Corey Perry. I'm glad the Leafs didn't sign him because, <laughs> you know, it's been he's had a long, good, a great career, don't get me wrong, but he's always been a pest. He's always kind of been, you know, a player I couldn't stand. So I, I have to give Zach – I gave Zach Hyman a star, but maybe instead of the third star, I should have given him the first one for that one. I think my favorite thing with Perry is that when Montreal first signed him, everyone was kind of going crazy. And when I say everyone, kind of, I guess, select people in the media and whatnot were were saying that, oh, Montreal's all in this year. What a great signing. And then when Spezza got re-signed by the Leafs, like, no one really said anything. And now I think Perry probably has, like, two or three points on the year. And obviously Spezza's had this great start. So just a little token I'll I'll throw in there. So, yeah. And then Perry was on waivers after all that hype. So I guess... Um, but Spezza was too. <laughs> Spezza was too, but I, I don't know. That one was a bit different. No, um, for sure. Okay, I want to get into, it's kind of going to be an open mic here. So I have a few guys I want to talk about. Um, I think the first one I want to get into is Alex Kerfoot. So mm-hmm. he, he had a rough game on, uh, I believe it was Monday night. So the last game against Vancouver. And... A lot of people are getting on him. I, I I understand the criticism to some degree. Like he is not Nazem Kadri. He is not a high end third line center. I think where I kind of disagree and where I think okay he's getting too much criticism now is they're not really giving him a great chance. Like I'm looking around, and if you look at teams like Tampa Bay, like. Third line centers across the league, like Coyle, Yanni Gord, Lars Eller, I think is the definition of a third line center. Like the Habs have Toffoli on their right wing, on the third line. Vegas has Alex Tuck and, and uh, Nicholas, I think it's Roy. I don't know if it's Roy or Wah. And then <laughs> Tampa has Coleman and Goudreau. Like I haven't liked VZ. I think I've said that every podcast. Makayev until tonight was kind of an offensive zero. Like I do think at times. Like, they're not really putting him in a position to succeed. Whereas, like, other teams, you know, they have a strong third line. I think we just have to be patient, wait for them to get a winger, whether it's at the deadline or or through trade. Apparently, they're interested in a top six winger. I don't know. I just want to give him uh, some some slack. I thought he played well tonight. I think he's a fine third line center that's capable defensively. I would keep him at center. Like, for me, there's kind of... Two options here. Either you trade him if you don't think he's a good third-line center, or you keep him as a third-line center. Like, I don't think he's an amazing winger for $3.5 million. That's just my take. I want to hear yours. 
Yeah, I don't want to see him on the wing either. Uh, I want to see him at third line center. And I think people need to kind of... I don't want to say lower their expectations for him, but they need to change their expectations for Kerfoot right now. Like right now, Kerfoot's line mates are Engvall and VZ. And they're virtually just a line that's supposed to go out there. They get... Uh, they didn't even get that many defensive zone starts today. But regardless, they're virtually just out there to play low event hockey. They're usually kind of playing a lot, like they're spending a lot of time in their own end. And I can see that if you're looking at things like Corsi, looking at things like even expected goals, they're in the negatives. Like there's no doubt about that, especially the past few games. But I don't think they're giving up very many like real dangerous scoring chances. Like Kerfoot and Engvall are very responsible defensively. And I don't think that VZ's been a liability defensively so far. Um, so they're just a very safe line. Like you're not going to see fireworks from them last game where you know they're on the four check they create a turnover and you get a goal like that's kind of a cherry on top that's kind of how they have to create their offense because they don't really have much offensive creativity on that line um and i guess mikhaev was the one who was on the line last time but last game but he's not very offensively creative either like that's kind of how they have to create any offense and i think people are kind of expecting like a nazim kadri like a guy who can be on that line, create his own offense, be a dangerous threat in the offensive zone. And that's just not Alex Kerfoot. And like you said, I, I think that, you know, you said that they aren't putting him into a situation to succeed. And I just think that the way that, like the fact that they're putting Engvall and VZ there, I think that they're virtually out there to play low event hockey, which the past two games, they kind of have. They've, you know, last game, um, obviously they got the goal. They weren't on for a goal against tonight's the same thing so they weren't on for a goal against and they were really relied in that third period for the last 10 minutes so I, I you know I tweeted out saying that the VZ Kerfel Engvall line isn't fun to watch when the Leafs are trailing a goal they just don't really generate much offense but they work quite well when they're up a goal and that's kind of how I feel about them yeah I think with Kerfoot like I think he's a pretty average third line center I think he's perfectly perfectly competent like I'm not Itching. I think the like where I have I guess pushback is like third line centers make more than you think. Like Lars Eller, as I said, is the definition of a third line center. He makes three point five million. Like the average third line center, unless they're on their entry level contract, is not making under two million. Now, if you can go out and get a really good third line center who makes you know on a bargain contract, by all means, I'm in favor. But like I'm not sure I want. Joe Thornton there we haven't seen it I wouldn't mind trying it um but at this point I think he's perfectly fine there I just don't think his skill set plays up on the wing that much like I know he got some points with Tavares and Nylander last year but I think a lot of guys can do that in that role and I don't think like like with with someone like Spezza or Thornton you know they're older they're clearly very offensively talented they've kind of they're a bit slower I think playing them on the wing makes some sense but with Kerfoot like he's got the speed he's fine defensively um, obviously at the start of the year, you started him with, with Zach Hyman and it just didn't make sense. Like that was putting Kerfoot in a position to succeed, but you, you'd much rather have Hyman with, with Matthews or, or with Tavares, getting them the extra scoring chances rather than Kerfoot. But, you know, it has been, I guess, a bit of a, of late, it's been better. Obviously he got a bit of a fluky assist tonight. Uh, he did have a goal at the end of, of last game that was key, a key insurance goal. But I guess my point on him is, like, he had a broken jaw last year, too. Like, we were hearing about this guy eating a Philly cheesesteak in the blender. And he came back early. Like, uh, he had the full cage on last year. He had a good playoff. He was kind of one of the, the few guys that showed up against Columbus well. And I just think, like, you're expecting him to take more defensive minutes. I do like the Engvall Mikhaev Kerfoot line from last year. I'd like to go back to that as a, as, a, as a checking line. But I know Engvall has this, I think he's three games away from being waivers eligible. So that's going to come in, yeah. That's going to come into decision. But for now, like, we kind of have to expect he's not going to generate a ton of offense with Jimmy Beasy because I don't think Beasy's a very good play driver or a very good offensive player. So I'm giving him a bit of leeway, Kerfoot, for now. Yeah, I think I'm going to keep it on the deployment kind of on that stream here because if you put Thornton as the third line center let's say you put Kerfoot up with uh, Tavares 
Like, I don't think you can use a Thornton, Engvall, VZ line late when you're winning a game. Like, I just don't know what that what that third line's role would be. Um, at least with Kerfoot, Engvall, and VZ, like, I have no problem playing them when you're up against Montreal, the second-best team in the division, um, late in the game. Like, I have no problem with that. So at least they have, like, a defined role. Um, you can put them on for defensive zone starts. There's no issues there. You have Engvall, who's very good at car- puck carrying, and Kerfoot's a capable puck carrier, too, to bring the puck up the ice. So I think they just have a defined role, and that role isn't really the most, um, you know, kind of desirable from, from the eye test right now, or even from the numbers, realistically. But um, I think it's a pretty important one, considering how much they're in the lead. But I think we'll, that, that'll kind of segue to our next topic. And that's, you know, Thornton seems like he's going to be back soon. So obviously the lineup has to change. I'll give you the floor here. I know that we, Jimmy VZ will come up here. But <laughs> what would your lineup look like um, with Thornton back in the lineup? Which hopefully is going to be this week, this upcoming week, sorry. So I would have started with Hyman, with Matthews from day one. I wouldn't have put Thornton there. I thought they were fine together by the numbers. Like, I think if you look at things like Corsi, they had pretty good numbers, but they weren't generating a ton of chances. Um, So I would personally, I would not mess with that top line right now, the Marner-Matthews-Hyman line. They've been so good. I would keep that line together. I would probably try Thornton on the second line left wing with Tavares and, and Nylander. To me... You know, that line just hasn't really found its way this year at 5-on-5. Five five. I know Tavares just has one goal there. It was, it was pretty recently. I do think Nylander's created quite a few chances. I know he, he set up both of Beasley's goals. Not too concerned about him, but I do think that they've kind of been lacking that, that third piece to that line. So I'd, try, I'd probably try him there. Obviously, he's a very good playmaker. That's well-documented. You know, putting him with... You know, goal scorers like Tavares and, and Nylander, I think, might be a good combo. And, uh, you know, that is a line that you can probably give a lot of offensive zone starts to. Um, so I, I would probably try him there. Is that where you have him? That's actually not. I'm going to go against kind of the the grain here. And I think that, obviously, Hyman, I think, and Hyman, Matthews, Marner has worked. It's always worked. I think that's something you can go to. And, you, you, you know, there's, you're never going to go wrong there. They're just so good together. But I am going to go against it here, and I'm going to keep Thornton on with Matthews and Marner. I think Matthews and Marner right now are just on a different level, and regardless of who you put with them, they're going to be well. They're going to score. Um, they really didn't hit the you know ball out of the park with, with Thornton in the, the first few games, but I'm going to keep Thornton there. And I think that Tavares and ha- Nylander need Hyman right now more than Matthews and Marner do. Um Tavares and, and Nylander just need a little bit of grit there. I think they need a little bit more speed. And right now, to me, it's it's virtually just Nylander who's generating those offensive chances. And I think Hyman's ability to win pucks down low, ability to just create chaos in the offensive zone, will really, really help that Tavares-Nylander line. So I'm actually going to put Hyman there, and then Mikhaev down on that third line, and then we're going to dump VZ down to the fourth line. I, I, I don't mind VZ actually on the third line right now given the type of deployment that they get and it's kind of low event third line, but I want to talk about VZ right now because Hold on, let's let's let me get back to on this Thorin thing. I think I'm fine with it. Like if your argument is that you want to get the Tavares Nylander line going and you want to try Hyman there, I think that's a fine strategy. Um, I just want those, those six to be the top six. I, unless with Thornton. Yeah. So Thornton, okay, okay. Thornton and Hyman are your two left wings in the top six. Um, I would probably, as I said, stick with that top line right now. But if you wanted to get that, try to get that second line going with Hyman, get a little bit of a longer look with Thornton there, I think I'd be fine with it. I don't think I'd be outraged. Don't know if long-term that's what I want, um, but I think it'd be fine. Um, if Mikhaev, if Mikhaev has a great week, then I might say, okay, you stay there and we'll try Thornton on the third line for a bit because uh, that line hasn't been great either. Um, but I know you want to get into VZ. Yeah, the um, with VZ, I actually don't mind him on the third line right now. Um, with Kerfoot and Engvall, the thing with VZ is that like he doesn't really stand out in anything particular, but he also doesn't make very kind of eye-catching mistakes. He's just kind of a minute eater in there. Like he just kind of is there. He's a kind of a reliable player that 
if you give him a chance in front of the net, he'll score. But he's not going to create chances on himself by himself. Sorry, uh, he's not a very good playmaker. He's not a very good puck carrier. But he's also not terribly bad in any of those kind of situations. So I think he's kind of there. But as soon as Thornton comes back, I want to see him on that fourth line. I think that he should be on the fourth line, kind of fighting it out. Um, with the other depth players they have because guys like Travis Boyd and Nick Patan have really played well. So um, I know that you are right on par with me in terms of Jimmy Vesey, but um, do you, would you have him kind of closer to the th- a third-line player? Let's say he's on the fourth line. Do you think he's closer at, to being elevated to the third line or closer to being a healthy scratch is pretty much... I think he's 100%, 100% health, closer to being a healthy scratch. That's I, where I, I have him too. I don't like they're three forwards down right now with with Simmons, Thor, and Robertson. So, you know, it's fun. Like it is what it is. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be outraged over like VZ being over Nick Patan right now or VZ being over, I don't know, uh, Boy or, or Spezza right now. But he hasn't done much. Like I just don't know what his strengths are. Like he's not a good transition player. He's not much of a goal scorer. Like he's kind of had two tap-ins from Nylander. He, he doesn't really set up many chances. I thought tonight he actually had a, a decent heavy shift, which was nice. That I think led to one of the goals. But you know he's not a great forechecker to the point where like Hyman or even Mikhaev is. He's fine on the penalty kill, but like the Leafs have lots of guys that can do that. I just don't know what he's bringing. And at this point, like if you're going to be invisible, it's better if you're a defenseman. Um, like when, when we don't, like, I didn't notice Zach Bogosian tonight and that's great. But with Jimmy Vesey, like when you're a forward, I, I kind of want to notice you offensively, especially on a team that needs secondary scoring right now. And I just haven't like, he's not playing on the power play. and I don't want him there. Um, I, I'm just kind of questioning what he's doing for this team at this point. And it seems like whatever line he's on is struggling. Like, he started off with the Tavares line. Obviously, they did not get off to a great start at 5-on-5. Five five. Now with Kerfoot, they've kind of been struggling to create offense. So I would I would get him to the fourth line as soon as Thorin gets back. And then, you know, he's got to earn a spot. Like, he's got to compete. But I think Patan's proven that, that he's at least a fringe NHL player. I think Boyd's proven that. You know, I think I've always been a big fan of Engvall. I prefer Engvall to Vizi right now. So I think he's got to earn a spot in this lineup. So that kind of brings us to the question. So Engvall, like you said, is you know two or three games away from, from waivers coming in. So let's assume that Engvall is going to be taken out of the lineup because of that. Mm-hmm. So if we want VZ on that fourth line, so pretty much Engvall is coming off that third line, and you know by our choice, VZ would also be coming off that third line. What would your third line look like? Um, so Thornton's back? Yeah. Is Robertson back? No, just Thornton. Okay. So, so I think this is the situation the Leafs are going to be in probably sometime late next week. So if we're putting Thornton to the top six, then Mikhaev's going to go to the third line. So we know it's Mikhaev Kerfoot, right? Exactly, yeah. And then someone would have to be elevated if VZ's not there. My ideal guy is Engvall, but I can't use him because I think Waivers is going to get in, be a deciding factor there. Yeah. Um, I would honestly try Robertson once he's back, which I don't think is going to be long. But for like a few games, instead of VZ, I might go... I still don't know what Boyd is. I wouldn't mind getting a look at him. Like, I know everyone really likes him. I haven't really noticed him that much. I'm almost fine with almost anyone there. Like, I'm not yeah, going to get it's outraged. It's a tough question. VZ yeah. versus Patan versus Boyd, I don't really think I'm going to get outraged about. I would actually like Spezza there because I think... Kerfoot Spezza really worked well together last year. Like I, I, I like that pairing together. I think Ker- Spezza can provide some offense there. So Spezza would be my choice. I don't think they're going to go that route, but that would be my uh, ideal player there. Yeah. So I'm just I'm thinking about it now. So you have Kerfoot there, and you have Makayev, and mm-hmm. I think that now what I think they are going to do, I think they're going to keep VZ there. I don't think they're going to put Same. down. Um, yeah, I don't think they're going to put him down to the fourth line, especially if Engvall's coming out of the lineup. Um, I think that the fun answer would be Nick Patan to go up there, but I've just loved him on the fourth line. I think he just kind of gives that a little bit of zip on the fourth line, and that offensive creativity is so fun. Um, I do want to try Travis Boyd there, but 
he's also kind of just like a very smart player. Not he doesn't really have much offensive creativity. So I'm gonna go with Spezza too. Um, oh really? Yeah, I'm gonna go with Spezza too. I think I think Boyd is kind of perfect for that fourth line. Uh, just kind of a steady, smart, reliable player, and then you have Nick Patan there, who's kind of that offensive. I don't want to say Dynamo because he he was pretty much that on the Marlies, um, but Boyd Patan VZ would be my fourth line, and then we'll go Makayev Spetsa Kerfoot. So we're on the same page there, but I think it's a tough question, especially if Engvall's coming out of the coming out of the lineup. Okay, putting you on the spot here with some some trivia quickly. Early too, I like it. Early, okay. So, who who had the least amount of ice time tonight? So it was a forward. I think that's pretty obvious. Which forward do you um, think had the least? Oh, I literally looked up. I was looking at the. I usually look at natural stat trick throughout the game. Um, so it's going to be someone on in the bottom six, obviously, because. Mm-hmm. And they're up, so I'll go. It's either going to be Patan or Spezza. So uh, I'll go Patan. No, because he got power play time. It was Jimmy oh, Vs. Right. Oh, really? Yeah, ten seconds. Oh, that makes sense. Just ten seconds less than Boyd. Um, but I guess, I guess, just five on five time. Spezza got a bit more power play time. Uh, Engvall got finished with ten minutes. So yeah, so maybe it is a sign of things to come. I I think that you know I know his dad works for the organization. I think they're very. I don't think they're trying to screw him over. Like I think they're going to give him every opportunity, um, but at this point, I don't think he's earned much. So I'm hoping he goes to the fourth line soon, and maybe you reward someone that's playing well. Um, Sorry, so that that was overall all strains. Yeah, overall. Where where was VZ in five on five? Because I th- I think that's kind of your your real telling tale there. Oh, he would have been. I I don't have it in front of me, but he he just took a regular shift with the third line, right? Like. I don't yeah. think I don't think he ever missed one or anything. Um, the other guy I wanted to get to, to talk about, and he's turning into my favorite guy to talk about. I know you don't love talking about him, but I think you're warming up to him, and that's Zach Bogosian. So, yeah. I think he continues to be steady. Like I, I don't go into games other than that first game against Montreal on opening night. I never go, okay, this guy's like, you know, a complete liability out there. The way I did with like. Tyson Berry defensively, or just uh, Cody Cece overall last year. And heading into the game, he had a 58% shot attempt differential with Dermott. He was also above water with, with Letton. And I just think like he's, he's able to penalty kill. He's kind of the this, this steady defensive presence. He seems to be a good voice back there. Like He's been good. I, I don't get... I think some people are just kind of trying to go after him because, you know... They, they think he's going to be the Buffalo version of himself, and they've seen him hit the numbers from back then. But he was good with Tampa. He's been good with Toronto. I'm going to give him a fair shake. That's just my take on him. Like, the numbers are good so far. I'm not going to, you know, I don't I didn't watch every Buffalo game back then. I don't know what happened. But so far, I think so good. Like, I can't complain well, with him so far. Well, what I will say is that when they first signed him, I did not trust the sample that that sample with Tampa. Now, what I said at the time was I don't mind the signing um, and I want to see him as the seventh defenseman. So when we first started talking about it, I saw him that he was, you know, he was playing over guys like Dermot. He was playing over Lettinen. So, and he, he had a rough couple games. I thought like the first like one or two or three games, I thought he was rough. Since then, like, I think he's been, I don't want to say very good because like you said, like he's one of those defensemen that if you don't really notice him, then he's doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've really been trying to w- really try to notice him like over the last few games, um, especially like the last five, six games. And I mean, there's nothing really to complain about. The way that they use him um, is exactly like you're putting him into a role to succeed. Um, on the breakouts, you know, they have the center that comes close in the middle of the ice. So he, he kind of hits Matthews or Tavares in the middle of the ice really well. He doesn't really make too many long passes, which is fine. He hasn't really had any kind of big turnovers. He's been breaking up the cycle really well. Um, he plays a you know a pretty decent amount when um, the Leafs are in the lead, which they have in a, kind of been in a lead a lot lately. We've seen him next to Brody. We've seen him next to Muzzin for a little bit when they're with the lead. So, I mean, I just think they're the deployment that Sheldon keeps giving him is kind of putting him into a role to succeed. And I have absolutely nothing to complain about him thus far. 
and yeah. and I would even say like I don't mind sitting letting in someone who I was uh, you know a big fan of. I still am a big fan of him, and I want to see him rotated in. But um, you know, I feel like Bogosian has has really earned his his time here. Yeah, I I think I don't mind sitting letting in either. Like I just think the Dermot Bogosian pairing is working well, and. Lettinen's was a bit shaky at times. He has looked more comfortable as, as of late, but obviously if you play him, then you need to play Dermot on his offside. And I just think, like, if you're Sheldon Keefe, he's not quite the Babcock standard where Babcock was playing the same lineup every night, but I do think there is value right now in saying, okay, we're going to put what we think is our best lineup out there every night, and we're going to try to bank as many points as possible because that gives you flexibility later on in the season. And, like... It is early enough where if you did have a Matthews injury or an Anderson injury, especially right now with Campbell out, like all of a sudden I think you could go on a pretty significant losing streak, especially, you know, if, if it is Matthews out, they don't have much scoring right now. So, you know, it, it's kind of easy to see a situation where, okay, Matthews gets hurt, the power play gets slow, Freddie struggles, all of a sudden, you know, you're fighting for the four seed rather than you know, fighting for the division. And you don't know also, like, what if what if Montreal looks great all year? And what if Winnipeg looks great after, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois? And he, I know he's played his first game, but what if that team really takes off and there's three really good teams in the division and, and the one seed is really important? So I think right now there is some value in just banking as many points as possible, which is then a great job of doing. And then later on, you can kind of get into... Then you start worrying about, you know, Anderson's rest. You start worrying about maybe getting let, letting in some more playing time. Um, the other guy I want to talk about is Barabanov. Like, he takes so, um, he takes yeah, so me, much Let me shit. say something really quick. Um, Go. So about that, um, so first thing, I like, against on Saturday, I definitely want to see Dermot Bogosian. You're playing Montreal. They're the second best team in the division. Play your best lineup right now. But mm-hmm. after that, like, you're playing Ottawa for two games. I don't think it hurts to put Lettinen in there. Like, at the end of the day, we're talking about the sixth defenseman, a guy that's playing, like, under 14 5-on-5 minutes. So I don't know if it's going to really make a huge difference in the win-loss category, especially against a team like Ottawa. And, I mean, like, you look at the standings, and I know you never want to get too comfortable, but, like, there's already a five-point difference between them and Montreal. Calgary, who's in fifth, is has 13 points. Toronto has 23 now. So it's a pretty sizable gap, and... I personally would rather, like, I don't think there's going to be that big of a difference if it's Lettinen versus Dermot, like, at this point in the season, and I would rather experiment now. And to a certain extent, like, I think Dermot Bogosian has probably kind of separated themselves from Lettinen Bogosian, but especially with the forwards, like, I don't even know what this team's best lineup is right now. There's so many new faces, you know, Thornton got injured, Simmons got injured, like, I think they're still trying to find that guy for next to Tavares Nylander. So I definitely think that there needs to be a certain amount of experimentation, especially in that kind of second line, third line, fourth line with the Leafs right now, because I think there's just so many new guys and we don't really even know what the the best lineup is, but I know you're not too strong about that, but I wanted to get that in. So I do think they are going to experiment a bit more and they've already kind of built a pretty decent gap, but you never want to get too comfortable. Yeah. I think against Otto, I'm a bit more open to it just because they're, Two, two and eleven. They're Ottawa. Yeah. yeah, they're Ottawa. Everyone like Montreal, as you said. I don't think tonight was the night. Um, no, I was not. kind of uncomfortable with letting it out against Edmonton. I do think that Dermot Bogosian, as you said, has kind of separated themselves. Like I'm just at the point where I'm not feeling too sorry for anyone at this point. Like letting it kind of knew what he was getting into um, when he signed here. He knew he was playing for a playoff team. If he wanted to sign somewhere with like very strict great opportunity he, he would have signed in say Ottawa for example but um like I guess the only thing is like if the Leafs promised him a certain amount of ice time then I think they have to kind of live up to that but um I, I, assuming they didn't like assuming it's pretty open-ended like I I think it's acceptable to play your best lineup I did like getting Sandine in there um that was kind of an exception just because he hasn't played in a year even though it was five minutes it was just great to see him and, and you know I think it's just going to be some added motivation um, not that it really, you know, I think Keith kind of re- regretted it only playing him five minutes, but he did chip in with an assist. Um, but I just think, yeah, like you'll get you'll get letting in his games against uh, Ottawa. I'm sure there's going to be an injury at some point where he's gonna right. he's gonna get a chance. There's been 
all the injuries have been up front so far, right? So eventually they'll get B one on the back end. Um, but yeah, he'll have to be he'll just have to be patient, and you know we'll see him when we see him. But uh, I think it'll be the same lineup against Montreal. I'm guessing on uh, is it Thursday night? Uh, I think it's Saturday, isn't it? Saturday. I think yeah. Montreal plays tomorrow against Edmonton. It's kind of weird because for us it's a it's a back to back with Montreal. Oh. Uh, but Montreal actually plays tomorrow against Edmonton at home, so yeah. they have a game in between. But uh, yeah, let's talk Bear Banov. Um, I I think I know where you're going with this, and he is getting a bunch of criticism, and I'm starting to even see criticism to the point of against like all European free agents, where like people are 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 seeing how Lettinen's doing, and he's not really living up to I guess the hype that people are giving him we're giving him in the off season. And now Barabanov hasn't really kind of, you know, even earned himself a player, like a, a regular spot in the lineup. And I, I just wanted to say that at the end of the day, like the Leafs aren't, it's not like they traded for these guys. Like they just signed them. They didn't have to give up anything. And they're very low risk contracts that they're giving. They're both like Barabanov's making what? He's making... Under a million. Well, he's under a million. Same with Lettinen. So, you know, like, I, I think if there was ever something to say, like, we need to stop signing European free agents, it was Zaitsev. Like, after that, after they, they gave him top four minutes and signed him long term, like, that was the time we should have been like, okay, we're done with these European free agents. But, like, with Lettinen or even um, Par Lindholm last year or Berbanov, like, they're very low risk, decent reward signings. And, so, so I know, I, I think Bayer Banov's just getting some some slack that he shouldn't really be getting right now. Yeah, I think with Lettinen, like, the hype was a bit out of control. Um, but he's been fine. Like, he'll get his chance when there's injuries, as we said. Bayer Banov, like, he's a fourth-line winger. Like, I don't think he's been impressive. Like, I'm not kind of going to bat for him. But he's fine on the forecheck. He does something. Like, I've been far more... Uh, annoyed with Jimmy Vesey, who's been playing up in the lineup and has been doing, like, not even been good on the forecheck. Um, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not president of the Bear Bana fan club. I'm just saying, like, if he's in over, like, Boyd or Patan on, on a given night and it's not Montreal, like, I'm not losing sleep over it. Obviously, they want to give him an opportunity. He came over here, and it's going to be key in terms of giving, you know, getting KHL for agents in the future. Like, I'm, I'm completely fine with him getting you know, every third game on the fourth line right now for another five games to see what he can do. Like, this guy's playing, like, four or five minutes a night. Um, maybe it's, like, six yeah. or seven, right? Like, I think he's, like, eight maybe average, but... Five on five, it's low. Like, whenever eight. he's played, Keith has hardly played the fourth line. And he doesn't five, anyway. He doesn't play special teams either, so he's getting nothing. No. So it's, like, I almost say, like, I, I have nothing to say about him, right? Like, he, he hasn't been bad. It's not like he's been terrible i don't know like i think there's still a chance that he's a decent fourth line player but i'm not holding my breath i'm just not like he's taking it's almost as if he's like you know costing the team games like you know barry or marinson or you know with a with a bad giveaway or something but he's been he's been fine i know he took that bad penalty late but um you know i i don't know like we won't spend any more time on him i guess this is the problem though with with these small samples like for example all year, Bear Banov's been playing, what, five, six, five on five minutes, and he's been kind of taking been taking it a lot. So last game against Vancouver, he played like, it was like not even a 40-second shift, and it was they were caught in between shifts, or Keefe switched it up, and he played a little bit with um, with Tavares and Nylander, and I think their, their defenseman was, was Riley Brody, and he looked pretty good. Like, it was a very, I don't even know if you're going to remember the shift, because it was such a small snippet of the game. And I do, like, I, do. I thought he looked, yeah, he looked pretty good. Like he was kind of, he showed that edge work that we kind of watched and everyone kind of talked about it with him in the KHL. I think he made a pretty good play to Neil Ander that almost caused a goal or, you know, they almost scored a goal. So like, there's something there. Like, I, I just don't think they've, they've really been playing him enough or even a lot to, for us to really, for that to kind of manifest. Um, so I guess we'll see with Bear Banov. I, I think they're going to keep giving him shots, but, um, like you said, like, I don't, I don't really feel too strongly about him either way. Yeah. I'm not overly high on him. It's just, you know, the criticism is getting a bit much. 
Um, we won't spend any more time on him. Um, I guess the last thing I wanted to get in here, Nick, um, I wanted to do a little bit of trivia. Actually, before we do trivia, one other thing. Sam Bennett has been kind of the topic of the week here. Um, for me, he makes $2.5 million. He's an RFA after this year. His agent's Darren Ferris. He's Marner's agent. Um, he's been a pretty average player by RAPM, so better offensive than defensive. I just think, like, for 2.55, you probably can't afford him next year when you need to re-sign uh, Zach Hyman. And I don't know. Like, he, he's just not moving the dial much. I'm going to watch him play. Like, maybe he could be that, you know, second-line winger they're looking for. But right now I'm looking for kind of like a can't-miss top six forward. Right. And I think he's – I guess the other thing would be, like, maybe he replaces Kerfoot if you trade Kerfoot. But, you know, I don't know if that's really moving the dial much. Like, I'm, I don't know what people are expecting. The other thing I find funny is, like, they call him a playoff scorer. It's like, what is he, just milking it in the whole regular season, you know? Like – <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I watched his playoff highlights. It's like an empty net assist here, and you get a bounce there, and all of a sudden your numbers, you know, in a small sample, kind of jump out. I'm not a big fan of it yet. I'm gonna watch him, and, and you know, with an open mind. But at this point, I'm not kind of jumping up and down for him. Especially the fact that they have to trade for him. Like if we're talking about, you know, he's a free agent in the off season, and the Leafs want to sign him for something low term and for not a lot then maybe we're talking, but the fact that they have to trade for him um, kind of turns me off a little bit. Um, and yeah, I just don't think he really turns the dial. I think that he's he's better offensively than he is defensively. And let's say you replace Kerfoot there. Like, I just don't think that third line has a real identity anymore. And I think there is value in having a third line, like tonight's, for example, that you can play with the lead. And I don't think if you replace Kerfoot with Sam Bennett, you can do the same thing. Um, like you said, like, I would say average score, you know, even like hockey viz's, um, like heat ch- uh, map charts over his career, like you know, like they're not that impressive, and he's never really been used on the second line. So, like he's since he was like nineteen, and then since then he's mostly been a third liner for most of his career, um, the last couple of years. So, yeah, like I don't think he's kind of a sure bet to to go and really make a huge difference with Tavares and Nylander if that's where they want that player to play. Um, I think there's other options there, but I think Sam Bennett, just because he's in the Canadian division and obviously he wouldn't have to go through the quarantine and whatnot, is kind of the guy that is kind of jumping out at everyone. And because the rumors, obviously, with um, that he wants to be moved. Yeah. So right now I'm not. You know, I'm not all that high on him, but I'll, I'll watch him. And maybe, who knows, maybe next podcast I'm screaming that I want to trade for him. But. Do, you, do you have anyone that kind of jumps out at you in terms of... So the other day, Elliot Friedman, um, I think it was on Tim and Sid. It might have been today, actually. Um, said that the Leafs are targeting a certain player, but he couldn't say who it was. So I'm putting you on the spot here. If you had to guess, let's say two players that that would be, who would you say it was? I'd say Paul, I'd say Paul Mary is definitely one, and then the other guy I was watching the other night, um, Grandland on on Nashville. Those would be kind of my two. Uh, That's interesting. Th- yeah, I do think they're probably going to go the rental route um, because you know their their cap situation is so tight for next year. Um, like unless you're getting a, a guy on their entry level contract, which seems unlikely, I think it's going to be tough to you know make the numbers work. But you know, it's like if if the right guy's available, I'm sure they'll go for someone with more control. I think that's ideal. But it is a year where I think they're going to go for kind of a high end rental. I think Palmieri, if you know they retain half, um, which isn't that much because it is the deadline. Um, you know, he'd be a pretty good addition. He's a sure can't miss top six forward type. And then Granlund just has you know he's had good numbers uh, in terms of RPM over the course of his career. Smaller guy, but I think Tavares could use that. Like, I think he could use kind of two really good transition wingers, Nylander being one, um, because he is looking, you know, he's always been an iffy skater. Um, so those are the two guys that jump out to me. Is there anyone uh, else that really jumps out to you? Kyle Palmieri is actually one of them that was, and I know we've talked about him before. I think that's one guy definitely um, who would fit there. The other guy was actually just Alex Iafalo on the Kings. We've seen the Leafs trade with... LA in the past um 
right now he right now he's 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 pretty hot this year. He's he's got eight points in twelve games, so I don't know if that raises his trade value any more than it is. But we've seen them make trades with them before. Um, his contract comes up at the end of this year, and he's at I think it's two point eight. I don't actually have cap friendly in front of me, um, but it's under three mil this year, so a little bit easier I guess to swallow. But maybe they'll have to retain. Um, and the big thing with trading this year is it's such a small season and some teams with with the quarantining and and the postponed games and whatnot like i think that makes things very difficult and you need a team that is for sure not going to make the playoffs and that in itself because let's say you make a trade with la like they're going to need that two weeks to quarantine over here so you can't be too close to the deadline because you want to play some games before the playoffs and try the player out so i think you're going to see a lot of trades maybe even weeks or even a month before the deadline. And then that poses the question, you need a team that's pretty low in the standings that believes that they're not going to make the playoffs um, if they're going to sell a player, like a top six forward. So I think it's going to be a little difficult. I think there's not going to be many suitors. um, And the Kings are definitely going to be one of them. So um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I know uh, a little bit. I think his mom's a nurse in like the Buffalo area. Remember, uh, I, I've been watching a lot of Kings games over the years, so uh, I've always just kind of rooted for him because of the, I don't know, I forget the story, but it was, it was kind of a cool story with his mom. Um, he's a smaller guy. I guess he's six feet. Um, I think he's played with Kopitar in the past. If I'm, you know, I'm going off the top of my head here. So I'll watch him. I've watched him in the past. I think he's fine. I kind of like to go a little bit better. Like, I, I like to go Palmieri. Like a guy that's, I don't know, like guys, someone with like 30 goal seasons under their belt. But I think he'd be fine as like a, a, a cheap option. We'll see what's available. As you said, I don't think there's going to be many trades. And uh, I'm going to be continuing to kind of look out for guys I'd like. Um, as you said, like the standings are really going to dictate it. Like Nashville's a perfect example where I said, uh, I said Grandland, but you know, if, if, if Nashville goes on a winning streak here, they don't have to have a great start, but. If they get off to a winning streak, maybe he's not available. And maybe someone like, I don't know, like Eric Stahl is available at, at a Buffalo. Throw that name out there. The Leafs seem to like those older guys uh, on the wing. <laughs> um, so I want to wrap up here with some trivia. Uh, more trivia for you. I know you've already answered one. I'm going to wear you out. Who? So Nick Batan is currently on the Leafs. Who did the Leafs trade to get Nick Batan? Um... Jeez, now I'm mixing up trades, but uh, that's, was that the Par Lindholm trade? It was the Par Lindholm trade. So Lindholm went to Winnipeg for four games, then ended up in Boston. It's funny because in my mind, the Dennis Malgin and uh, Marchman trade was was popping into my head. Those (laughs) one-for-one trades are, with fringe NHLers, always mix you up, but... um, But yeah, no, I wouldn't forget. I always remember uh, Nick Patan's first goal with the Leafs. You know it's funny. Where I Trevor was, Moore with the big hit and then centered it to the first uh, game, right? And, and yeah, and then Dubis was uh, did the big fist pump. It was yeah, I remember it was that one too. of the funniest clips. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's funny how that's so memorable. It's Nick Patan. Um, the uh, you know it was funny is I was one night I was just like I want to go look at old trades and just see what the reaction was. So I think I was on like pension plan puppets and and just twitter just searching one trade that pe- like that people didn't like was mckeg for hyman they were like mckeg i think mckeg already had nhl minutes and the thing with <laughs> hyman was that like it was all larkin and he didn't do anything till he was a senior like that was the perception of him just funny looking back the other one i was surprised with was people really didn't like the morgan riley pick they wanted gregorenko the other guy they wanted was forsberg i think um so I don't know. Some obviously, I think there's been plenty of times when uh, the people online have been right. I think DeBrink Cat comes to mind. Carter Hart comes to mind. Uh, plenty of those, but um, it, it is just kind of funny seeing the the McKeg to for Hyman. Uh, I guess feedback or, or uh, reaction. Hyman's whole career has been proving people wrong, though. Like you could find some of my articles from 2016, and. Hyman's in none of my projected lineups. Like it's like I had Brendan Leipzig over him, Josh Levo over him, 
Like, if you asked 2016 Nick D'Souza if Hyman was going to be this successful in the NHL, I would say not a chance. Yeah. So it's it's crazy how, how many... Uh, how many people he's proven wrong over the years, including myself. Yeah, I think when he first stepped, we saw the points with the Marlies. We never thought he'd be what he is, but he's a, just a possession monster. One more question for you here. Which former Toronto Maple Leaf, and the hint is he's a fourth-line center, scored his first of the season with the Calgary Flames? You got it. You you know I'm going to get this. Cause you got it? You know I'm going to get this, because this... If you remember, when he was on the Marlies, he was one of my favorite players. And me and you <laughs> used to make jokes about this. It's, of course, Byron Fraze. Really? Okay. I did not know he was one of your favorite players. It's been too long. He His last year with the Marlies was 16-17. He played two games with the Leafs that year. I think that was the tanking year that he got the 56 game. Um, yeah. I wanted him um, probably the year after that, the 2017. Whoever was the fourth-line center, I guess that would be the, the Washington the Washington year uh, when they played the play, in the playoffs. Like I'm pretty sure I wanted Byron Fraze as the fourth-line center that year, like the year after his big Marlies year. Or sorry, yeah. the year after the tank year. I, I think remember I, Gauthier. I, I remember Ben Smith. Gauthier, we, I don't know, long history there, but... I think uh, we'll wrap it up with Byron Freeze on a on a on a big note this week. Uh, it, it once again just thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see everybody likely later this week. 